Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every so often in this job, you'll come across a stat that you really have to double check and think hard about to get your head around. The New Zealand thoroughbred breeding industry just posted one. During the Marquee Sydney Racing Carnival, the championships, which is which just concluded on Saturday, friend of the show, a tissue, made it seven from eight of the group ones won by New Zealand bred racehorses. A tissue, Savabeel, Explosive Jack, Jackalbury, Penny Wicker, Satono Aladdin, Major Bill Savabeel, Mr. Brightside Bull Bars, worth about $7,000 or something stupid too, by the way. I wish I win, Savabeel, Militarised Dundeal. It's a stat that the whole sporting industry should be celebrating this week because this sport is truly global. Horses from England, Ireland, Japan and further travelled for huge prize money on offer and it was only one that was left on the table, Dubai Honours, the Queen Elizabeth. And I think we can excuse ourselves for not being able to beat him this time around. Andrew Seabrook is the Managing Director of New Zealand Budstock and Andrew, your famous tagline of where winning begins probably couldn't work better this morning, could it? Yeah, absolutely incredible, Louis. I mean, I can go back a few decades and never have I, never can I remember a, a couple of weeks like we've just witnessed. And as you said, seven out of eight. And the glorious thing is that the eighth one wasn't even won by an Australian bred, it was won by an Irish bred who beat Mwanga, <laughs> the, the Kiwi horse, who was so impressive, wasn't he? So seven out of eight plus a second in the group one to an Irish horse, absolutely amazing. And uh, as I say, as good as it's ever been, and uh, we can dine on, out on this for, for some time, I think. The future. Andrew obviously looks bright given the given the fact that uh, we've taken seven of the eight. Absolutely, Kempy. It's um, it really is, and I'm, I mean the Australians will be beating down the door come uh, next January for the sales. I'm sure for the yearling sales, but it's uh, it's it's quite incredible, really. And a lot of people have been talking about you know our environment and the bloodlines and our horsemen and women, and that's all true. They're, they're all factors of why we breed such good horses. But I think one thing that, that people haven't really touched on is, is the success of our New Zealand breeders and how they, how they go about doing their business compared to the Australians. And, and New Zealanders spend a lot of time in making their horses. You know, a lot, they go and look at the stallion, they look at the mares and they mate to not only pedigree but to type and they think about breeding a great racehorse. Whereas in Australia, a lot of the breeders are thinking about co- more commercially and thinking about short term and what what's going to achieve the most in the sales ring and not often thinking about the end result and what that horse is going to do on the racetrack. We've got some great breeders in this country and I think that's really coming to the fore now. It's interesting when you when you frame it like that, Andrew. I was just doing a bit of reading uh, a week or so back um, in the Asian Racing Report about Japan and their breeding industry and the long-term investment on racing their horses on and what they were trying to achieve. So that ultralistic kind of perspective and with New Zealand bloodstock in the market for so long now you can kind of start to shape an industry as to what you want to achieve not just in the short term, medium term but long term sustainable success? Yeah, Exactly and when you look around the world at some of the great breeders that's what they're doing, they're breeding to, they're breeding for the racetrack and not necessarily the sales ring 
look at Yaga Khan and, and the Japanese, as you, as you say, are, are prime examples of it. They've been investing in beautiful bloodlines. They don't even have major yearling sales in Japan. They have a full sale, sure, but they don't even have major yearling sales up there uh, like we do in Australia and New Zealand because they're more concerned about breeding great racehorses for the track. That's what we're doing in New Zealand and have been doing for a long time. And I, I think it's it's just start, it's starting to... You know, we fell behind the Australians for a while, but we're right back now. And um, Australia obviously beating a lot for speed and and those short-term gains and looking short-term. Not all of them. There's some great breeders over there, obviously. But, but New Zealand, um, with our great horsemen and women, our breeders, and looking at the long-term future and success and breeding from these great families. I mean, we've still got these wonderful families that we've had in New Zealand for 20, 30, 40 years are coming through and um, we're, we're reaping those rewards now. Where does one look to, Andrew? You know, like you've got the Savabils and the Centurno Latins, the Prosiers. Where does one look to, if we, we're looking at the sales next year being, I guess, uh, populated by overseas buyers, what do you see in New Zealand that's worth value at the moment as far as um, some good breeding? Well, Kempi, all our stallions are good value on the world stage. You know, like in Australia, for instance, Poissier, whose fee will be announced shortly by Rich Hill, he's going to be, I'm not sure what he's going to be, 60, 70, who, who knows what he's going to be, but um, in Australia, he'd be at six figures. Um, Satano Aladdin, Purin Canto, less, you know, 50 grand. Tarzino, less than, what's he, 20, 25 grand. Ocean Park at 30, Almanzor, I mean, I mean, even Savabile, the great Savabile, who had three Group 1 winners out of those eight and um, is now second on the Australian size list with half the number of runners as the leading sire, I'm invincible. Um, quite amazing. So our, our values, in general, our stallion fees in general, are very good value. Um, but some of those I mentioned there would be standing at double that in Australia. And our, our production costs are so much lower than Australia. Um, so I think next year's yearling sales are going to be um, very, very popular with the Australians and there's going to be plenty of stallions there for them to choose from. I mean, never have we seen, um, never have we seen so many stallions performing so well at the moment. 30 years ago, maybe, back in the 80s, um, when we were at an absolute prime, but not since then have we seen so many young New Zealand stallions performing so well in Australia. So, yeah, it's really heartening. And and my granddad would be he'd be barking down the phone at me right now if this was me, um, Andrew. would be saying, "Don't forget about the dam side. Don't forget about the dam side because obviously it's so important." I just I, I don't want to get stuck in the weeds here, but if if you think about the way we're going with syndication and a lot of these fantastic mares being raced in syndication nowadays, they end up being sold at sales because that's just the only way you can kind of work them out for their broodmare career. Is that? going to be a concern moving forward with the, the Ulongs and the Coolmores or just the powerhouse, the, those with the big bucks buying these top-end race mares? But yeah, uh, to, a, to a point, Louis, I agree with you, but remember that most of those, a lot of those great mares off the racetrack, those ones that they're buying, they haven't been terribly successful at stud. You know, that's like it's, uh, it's quite rare to find a champion race mare, leave a champion race horse. It just it's a very rare thing for it to happen. But look at look at through New Zealand broodmare sires and, and, and how successful they've been. And um, I take Zabil. Look at uh, O'Reilly, Centaine. Um, uh, Savabil is going to be a great broodmare sire. Um, I think that's more important to have those beautiful broodmare sires that are free of Danehill um, or, or don't have much Danehill or Northern Dancer in them. 
um, is, is more important than than those really top broodmares that have been champions on the racetrack. Hey, sure, would we love to keep all those here in New Zealand? Of, of course we would. Um, and, and maybe maybe it's going to be in the future. Um, you know, if this if this our prize money increases because of the joint venture that's hopefully happening with um, Entain and and what else is going to be happening there in the next couple of years and with prize money going on and what have you. Um, the success that the future looks uh, pretty pretty bright in New Zealand at the moment and uh, yeah look it'd be great to see those 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 mares stay in New Zealand obviously one day. No, it's a very valid point you make, and I, I completely agree. Just the ecosystem's just got a real bubble about it at the moment, and you're in the thick of it daily, Andrew, so I know you know that. It's really exciting stuff. Hey, thanks for your time this morning. We love celebrating this success, and I don't want this one to be lost on sporting fans. Seven of eight on a truly global stage, and you're right. Mawonga chased home Dubai Honor, who's a very, very, very good horse. It's um amazing time, so appreciate your time, mate. Yeah, appreciate it, Louis. Any time. There you go, Andrew Seabrook, Managing Director at NZB. I'm proud, Kempi. I'm very proud this morning. Yeah, and what a run by Mwonga too. To, it looked like he got woken up 100 out. Like, if he was woken up 200 out, he probably goes on and wins that, the way that he, he flew home. Um, but Dubai Honour, that's another horse. And, of course, our mate trying to get out of my home, what a, what a season he's had. Um, given what you've just said with these horses, what about Pennywhecker? We haven't even spoken about that. 70 owners got a piece of a million dollar prize and the trainer <laughs> didn't even know the jockey before we took him to Aussie. You know what I mean? It is, it is like, it's a it's a Netflix movie, that one. Pennywick is so right, Gimpy. It's just, they had, Jim Wallace told us they had 40 of the Pennywicker owners on the track on the, that made the trip, including, I'm pretty sure, Robert Dunn, we saw on the TV. So, uh, it's just a, one, such a good story and, um, just really, really staggering success. And Moonga, the only issue with that is he iced me out of the first four because I had Animo and uh, I had him running for third and Animo running for second. So. Who would you go to, Prosia or Santono Aladdin? Uh, Aladdin? Well, at the price, Satono Aladdin because Prosia is about to be very expensive. Seven minutes away from uh, nine. We'll be back soon. 